You're listening to Inside North Central Massachusetts, powered by the North Central Massachusetts Chamber of Commerce. You're listening to the Inside North Central Massachusetts podcast election series. Joining us today to talk about his campaign for governor in the Republican primary on September 6th before November's general election is Chris Doty. Chris Doty has an extensive business background. He's a graduate of Brigham Young University and possesses an MBA from the Harvard Business School. Doty has spent a great deal of his career at Capstan Atlantic, overseeing its expansion from the initial startup to becoming a large multinational manufacturer. In addition to serving as president of Capstan Atlantic, Doty has served on the board of directors for the Metal Powder Industry Federation, the Franklin Interfaith Council, and the Old Colony Council of the Boy Scouts. Chris, thank you so much for being a part of the program today. Thank you, Travis. It's a real delight to be here with you and to meet you and uh, your listeners. So, Chris, why do you want to run for governor now? Well, for two reasons, really. One is to help fix the affordability problems in our state. Our state has become so expensive for our businesses. <clears throat> We're now the most expensive state in America for our businesses. And it's also expensive for our citizens. We, uh, we're losing too many of our working families and our adult children, including my own, couldn't afford to live here anymore. And uh, I believe many of that is just policy decisions that I would like to help with. Second of all is to keep the balance in the state house. <clears throat> it's the magic of our state is that we've been able to keep the balance and uh, have a Republican governor from the uh, business world in the executive branch that has executive experience, has worked for our state, and I'd like to maintain that. I feel like we're at risk of losing that, and I think that'd be a huge loss for our state. <clears throat> I mentioned a little bit about your background as president of Capstan Atlantic, but can you tell us how that background really sets you apart from the field, from the other candidates on both sides of the aisle, and why it makes you the choice for governor this fall? Well, you know, like many of the uh, past Republican governors, I come from the business sector. I'm very comfortable in an executive role, very comfortable um, getting the most out of every dollar. As a, as a manufacturer in, in Massachusetts, I'm very comfortable with stretching each dollar and making sure we're lean and efficient in all that we do. Uh, likewise, building teams and uh, hiring people and hiring the right people. I think one thing is I come to the office with a very pro-growth mentality. Let's grow our economy. Let's, uh, let's strengthen our small businesses and, and let's have some fun doing it. Now let's talk about growth and recovery. North Central Massachusetts has not yet reached its full economic development potential as a region. Our cities of Fitchburg, Leominster, and Gardner, as well as other communities in North Central Massachusetts, continue to need more attention in terms of economic development. We often feel like it's that Boston-centric mentality. Everything's kind of focused within inside the 128 belt. If elected, how would you assist the communities of this region to achieve their true economic development potential that you mentioned? Yeah, you know, coming from the manufacturing industry, I see so much opportunities in those communities you just mentioned. I was just out in Holyoke, and I I've been in uh, uh, north central Massachusetts for the last uh, month uh, traveling around, and I just see such opportunity to bring in manufacturing. We've lost so much of it to the south. Uh, you know, I get phone calls just about every month uh, from Tennessee and North Carolina and other states that are uh, – you know, asking me to relocate my business. And I know just, you know, I know how our state is in terms of expenses, and we've got to just uh, be aggressive in making it more affordable for our businesses to thrive here and also to begin recruiting businesses here. That's a big role of a, of a governor is to uh, strengthen the economy and, and to recruit businesses. I hear stories of other governors calling business executives, inviting them to their state to bring their jobs. And uh, I believe I have a message that will resonate with businesses 
outside of our state, when I call and say, hey, I've done it in our state, I know the strengths, I know the weaknesses, I know what we can do here, I know the employee base, and uh, I think I can do a great deal of uh, good in encouraging businesses to relocate here. When we talk about encouraging businesses to relocate here, we often talk about the need for a labor force. Uh, businesses are going to come here. They need employees. Now, as the great resignation uh, continues into 2022, how would you propose that we address that issue as we try and encourage businesses to come to Massachusetts? Yeah, you know, that's uh, that's been a problem. It's been a problem in my own life where it, was, it became too expensive for my children to live here. And uh, we lost, uh, you know, we lost... Uh, my uh, daughter and my son-in-law, they just, it was too expensive. And so, as I said at the beginning, we've got to just work on the affordability problems. Our, our electricity is the third highest in the nation. Uh, we, for our citizens, we're currently about fifth or sixth most expensive states in the country to live. And so we've got to fix that so that uh, people can, can continue to live here and to feel prosperous. It's not just living here, it's feeling like the difference between your wages and how much you're spending is improving. You know, in our state, we, uh, we're we doing the worst when it comes to uh, inflation eroding uh, people's earning power. And so we've got to just work on the affordability. And when it comes to people's earnings, on the most recent budget proposal, Governor Charlie Baker proposed a number of tax cuts for residents that would really affect a wide range of household incomes. Do you believe that's an effective way to help North Central Massachusetts residents um, navigate pandemic recovery and try to bring back affordability? If not, what would you propose as the solution if you're elected in November? Well, I certainly support any anything we can do on tax reductions. Um, you know, I've, uh, I've proposed already a simple idea that I bring from the manufacturing world, which is as a state government, we should improve our services and uh, reduce the cost of our services by at least 3% a year. Uh, that's a that's a contractual arrangement I have with my customers. I've had them for three decades. Is to find efficiencies. With those savings, we can begin sending more money to our communities and to our towns where the money's really needed for education, for police, for roads and sidewalks and infrastructure, and where people really experience their life in our state is in their own communities. Uh, as I've been studying the state budget, I see a need in our state to begin diverting more funds to our local communities for what they need. And that can include economic development and strengthening the small business community. And when you look at moving funds to the local communities, we saw during the pandemic that some communities were hit harder than others uh, with disparities. So as we look to navigate pandemic recovery, what would you do to ensure equitable recovery throughout the Commonwealth? So right now, the Baker administration has a formula that's set up. In one regard, I like that formula because communities need to know what their funding is, not just this year, but for the next two, three, five years for hiring and capital investments and um, long-term planning. Now, I come from the business world where we have to know what our budgets are multiple years out. And so I think that's important. I also think we could begin adjusting that formula over the course of time as we're able to generate uh, efficiencies and improvements in the state government that we might we can increase the amount of funding that goes out to our communities and our towns. Now you mentioned affordability and electricity a little bit earlier in the conversation and Baker administration did announce that they are going to be moving towards a 2050 goal of zero carbon emissions. A lot of business owners when they hear that wonder is that going to cost me money and how do we navigate something like this in an affordable way? What do you propose is the best solution to address climate change? Yeah. Um, okay, I've stated that here's my goal. 
is that within my first term of four years, I would like to get our electric costs below the top 10. So we've got some distance to make up because we're predicted to be, we're at third now, we might be the highest soon. Um, so my goal in the first four years is to get us down below the top 10. By the end of eight years, I would like to get us near the average in the U.S. for electric rates. That's critical for the for the businesses to stay here and to employ our citizens. Um, now, how do we do that? Well, it's a simple supply-demand problem. Uh, we just have to increase supply. We have to bring in uh, more supply of electricity. I like hydro a lot, and so I would reapproach our neighboring states and ask them if they would uh, continue to work with us on bringing hydro in. Uh, I like windmills, although it won't contribute all the supply that we need. I think there's new technologies for natural gas, and we have to just look for every source and every opportunity to increase our supply to bring the electric costs down. And when it comes to the pandemic, I know we touched on it a little bit earlier in the podcast, but I want to talk about how you feel the current administration is handling uh, the ongoing effects of the pandemic, and what do you think needs to be done differently as we shift to more of the endemic phase of things? Yeah. Well, you know, um, I w I've been an executive along with uh, Governor Baker, and so I understand that as the pandemic rolled out, we didn't have enough information, and uh, it was a little scary, wasn't it? You know, there were moments where we were all a panic. I remember the first case in my own company. It was uh, really worrisome for that uh, employee and their family, and so I think everybody's done the best they can. Now, I think it's critical for all of us to say, okay, now that this is getting to be in the rearview mirror, uh, let's get back to business. Let's uh, let's let's recharge our economy. Let's um, you know, let's have that positive attitude and energy it takes to to get a business off the ground and to get it back from the pandemic. And likewise, for an economy in a state, is to have a tone and an energy and, and goals. You know, in my business world, we always set goals and we always have metrics that we look at to see how are we doing against those goals. You know, I'd have I'd start with some goals that would just say, let's get uh, let's get our economy back up and running. Let's get job growth increasing. Let's uh, reduce or eliminate the number of small businesses that we're losing, and let's measure it. And when we're doing well, as governor, I'm going to feel happy and feel like I'm doing a good job. And when we're not doing well, I'm going to bring the team back together and say, hey, we're we're declining in this metrics, uh, this this metric for our economy and our businesses, and let's start working on it and fix it. As someone involved in business, as someone who leads a business, I'm sure you're well aware of some of the issues that have existed with the Unemployment Insurance Trust Fund. These were exacerbated by the pandemic. We have reports of businesses here and all throughout the Commonwealth who maintain full staff yet are still seeing increases. What would you propose as the solution for this issue? I know ARPA money has been diverted to it, but that's just a band-aid. What is the long-term solution to this problem? Well, I'm a big benchmarker, so I use benchmarks. And so I would look at some of the other states that are doing better on their unemployment rates. Um, Tennessee is one I know well because I had a facility for many decades in Tennessee. I would look at what you know, uh, New Hampshire, Tennessee, some of the other states are doing and uh, see if there's some things we can copy and borrow from them that are working in their, uh, with their unemployment. So that's something I would certainly take a good look at because I understand as a business owner, um, right now, I think we have the highest unemployment insurance costs in America, and we shouldn't. Uh, you know, let's say, you know, we again, let's set a goal to get ourselves down below the top quartile within the first uh, first term. Now, I know you mentioned borrowing from places like New Hampshire, and you mentioned Tennessee, where you used to have a facility down there as well. Is there anything in particular that you're trying to look at or that you've heard of that you think might work uh, to address this problem? 
Well, certainly you have to address it. You're talking about unemployment, right? Um, yeah, certainly we have to look at fraud. We have to look at auditing and making sure that we're spending it wisely. I think we have to make sure that we are creating strong incentives for people to go back to work. Um, you know, it's, it's it, the unemployment is, is intended to be short term to help people get back on their feet as they transition to another job. I also think the investment in vocational and, you know, take my company as just a small example here. We need machinists desperately. Um, we hire a lot of machinists. It's a very high paying job. It's a good job. Um, but you have to have the training and uh, the training's not long. I mean, the training to be a machinist might be 13 weeks to maybe six months. And uh, then they can transition from whatever they're doing to a, a much higher paying job with full benefits and a career. So I think unemployment should be more than just money. It should be opportunity and how to progress to their next op you know, their next job. So I would look at unemployment more holistically than just giving people money. I would like look at let's solve the problem for them because I think people really want meaningful, purposeful uh, work. Uh, you know, I love work and I think most people do. And I think we have to look at our unemployed and say, let's get you back to work. Let's solve the problem and get you into meaningful jobs. So when you mentioned vocational opportunities, could that be a component in the future, more emphasis on training as kind of a, a requirement of the system? Yeah, I could definitely see that being a critical part. You know, every every unemployed uh, citizen in our state has a unique set of skills and talents and desires and abilities. And I think it's finding where they should go. You know, I need machinists, plumbers, electricians, all those types. But there's also people that might, uh, you know, be uh, a better fit in a restaurant or retail or in a uh, life science or something. I think we have to kind of deal with each citizen individually, but let's help them uh, once they come on the unemployment roles, let's work with them to get them to their next uh, position, their next opportunity. We certainly need to create incentives for them to get back to work also. Transportation. That's a big discussion throughout the state, but here in North Central Mass particularly, a lot of folks deal with Route 2 congestion every day and other folks um, deal with a lack of public access and public transit as a barrier while they're trying to seek employment. If you're elected in September and then in November, how do you plan to use transportation investments to improve access here in North Central Massachusetts and throughout the Commonwealth? Yeah, you know, I'm not in the chair yet, but this is a question that I'm really curious about is, um, you know, where is the best place to spend our capital dollars? We have quite a bit. We have a large capital uh, budget to spend. And where is the best place? I've been saying that in my business, I always start with uh, risky, riskiest items first. So is there a bridge that's going to fall? Is there a catastrophe around the corner? I would start our capital investments there because I've seen it so often in my own life where people get excited about you know something new but they forget what's old and what needs to be repaired and taken care of. So I would I would categorize our capital investments um, in terms of what's the riskiest things first. Let's take care of those as a state. And then I think things like, um, like your suggestion, congestion where it hurts the satisfaction of living in our state. You know, those would be another category I'd put above the ones that are risky is that people should enjoy their lives. And if they're sitting, sitting in the car for too long, um, I'd work on those things. Um, I think the mass transit is something that I worry about because right now it's not, um, it's, it's in financial troubles. Uh, it's being subsidized by the federal government. And so 
we need a governor that's comfortable dealing with pretty complex financial and business problems like our MBTA. It, uh, we don't want another taxpayer bailout of our MBTA and it, uh, it appears that there might be one coming. And so I think for, for all of us as citizens, we need to find a governor that's very comfortable with complex business problems that understands financing and understands how to solve these types of, of issues that might come our way. And when it comes to investments, um, tourism, third largest industry here in the state, one of the hardest hit when it comes to impacts from the pandemic, also a priority industry for North Central Massachusetts that we're trying to grow here. Yet despite its importance, Massachusetts falls near the bottom of the pack when you look at other states and how much they invest in tourism uh, year after year. If you're elected, how would you prioritize tourism and how would you help the region and state to better capitalize uh, and compete with other states who are also trying to grow their market share at our expense? You know, I, I love that word you just used, Travis, compete. A governor is a competitor. It really is. I, I listened to Glenn Youngkin, who was elected down in Virginia, and he was saying, basically, you know, I'm coming for you. And uh, we want governors that can compete, that have that in their bloodstream. Um, I, I, I feel it. I hear what you just asked. And I agree is that we have a wonderful state here that we should attract tourists to and, and bring tourism in. And uh, let's compete. Let us compete with these other states. Uh, I've I've lived my whole life in a competitive environment, so I know what that feels like. And so, you know, when you want to compete, there's a couple things. One is you have to say the goal out loud. You have to say, okay, we're going to compete with these other states for uh, tourism. The other one is to have a metrics that we all measure. Uh, as governor, I could I, I would put together some sort of a metric and say, okay, let's track how we're doing on tourism. And then we bring the stakeholders together, which could include your organization and many others and say, okay, let's compete with tourism. Everybody put your best ideas on the table. Let's brainstorm and let's start implementing the ones that make the most sense. I know that sounds common sense, but in the business world, it is common sense. It's just bringing the right people together with a good goal and a metrics and everybody works on it. This is one we should compete on. Let's have good tourism. We got the oceans, we've got these rivers and these lakes, and these beautiful mountains and good people. So I think this is a metric that we could we could definitely compete on. Now, Chris, of all the um, other candidates for governor, Democrat and Republican, you were the first one to announce a running mate. Can you tell us about this decision um, and why you decided to announce a running mate so early on and to kind of bill yourselves as a two for one ticket? You know, it's the way the Republican Party has done it for uh, decades and, and it works. I mean, we've had Republican governors in the governor's office for 22 of 30 years. And I think part of it is the running mate is that uh, we have two people working together on the ticket. We learn to work together. We build a relationship together. We we can hit the ground running on day one. And um, Kate Campanelli, who's my running mate, is just wonderful. She's a legislator. She's bright. She worked as a school teacher, which I was really uh, just really beneficial for our ticket that she brings an educational experience and um so we're just you know we work hard and uh, i think it's a beneficial way of uh kind of coming together and you mentioned a little bit about kate campanelli's background uh, can you tell us what really sold you to have her as the person who you want by your side if you're elected as part of the next administration well, you know, just uh, what I mentioned, she comes from the state legislature, which I was looking for, someone that had experience in the in the legislature. She um, She's a fourth generation uh, citizen of Worcester. Uh, she comes from good family and um, she cares about children. And, 
you know, when I was talking to her initially, I said, how would you like to be known as the lieutenant governor? And uh, she said, I, I don't, I just want the citizens' lives to be better. And it wasn't focused on herself. She could have said, well, I want to be known for these three things. What she wanted is life to be better for citizens. And what more could you ask for in a public servant and a lieutenant governor than their focuses on other people and improving their lives? And that's where I come from, too, is that um, I just want to make, you know, I spent my whole career making life better for my employees, and I'd like to do that for our citizens. I'd like I'd like the citizen's life to be better and more prosperous. I'd like to be happier and to just improve our state. And I think this is going to kind of play into my next question. Now, we are going to put you on the clock. I'm going to give you 60 seconds. If you were to show up at my door or one of our <laughs> listeners' doors today and pitch why they should vote for Dowdy and Campanelli in the Republican primary on September 6th and then again in November in the general election uh, to be the next governor and lieutenant governor of Massachusetts, what would you say starting right now? Okay. I would say that Kate and I are going to make the state more affordable. Uh, it's a big problem in our state. That's one. Second is we're going to keep the balance in the state house. It should terrify all of us that the conservative voice and fiscally conservative people are at risk of not having a single position left in the state house. Imagine that, that 40% of your family is ejected from the kitchen table whenever an important decision is made. Um, we just don't want that. There's only a few states in America that have a single party control that's all progressive. And we already know what they are. Oregon, Washington, California, Illinois. Every state we don't want to become is what we're at risk of becoming in November. And so people like me and people like you and so many other citizens need to stand up and say we don't want to be like, Port like uh, Oregon and Washington and Illinois and, and California. And we got to keep the balance in the state house. It's critically important for all of us. Now, Chris, for listeners who want more information about your campaign and about your platform, where can they go? Thank you for asking. I always forget to offer that. It's a uh, Chris4ma, so F-O-R-M-A dot com. And uh, we uh, we need an army of supporters that are from the from the citizens and employees and uh, the business community to get behind us to to make sure we have a balance in the state house and we have a a pragmatic um, uh, business executive uh, pushing back on and at least keeping the balance in the state house. For those who are tuning in right now, this has been another election series episode of the Inside North Central Massachusetts podcast. I'd like to thank Chris Doty for talking to us about his platform as a Republican candidate in the race for governor. The Republican primary is scheduled for September 6th. The general election is slated for November 8th. Chris, thank you so much for your time today. Hey, Travis, great questions, really insightful, and I really enjoyed it, so thank you. You've been listening to Inside North Central Massachusetts. This podcast is produced by the North Central Massachusetts Chamber of Commerce. For more information on this episode, links to other episodes, or if you have any questions, please visit northcentralmass.com.